Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com pockets, fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, everyone. Welcome to On The Market. I'm your host, Dave Meyer, joined by James Daner today. How's everything going, James? It's good. We've had a busy, productive week. We've been getting a lot of deals done, so I'm, I'm excited. What kind of deals? I just locked up. Man, I just ripped a deal last night. <laughs> What's it? <laughs> it was. Uh, we got a six-unit townhome site, the land in a great area with a great structure on it for uh, about seventy-five thousand a door. Whoa! And not only that, I don't even know if I'm going to build it out. It breaks even, so we can keep it and land bank this property. It's like a two thousand square foot house. I think I'm going to actually keep it, not develop it. Oh, it's a single family now, but you could build six units. Yeah, it's a single family on like an eight thousand square foot lot. You can put six units on, but it's funny. I like right now with the cost of build, I'm like it actually might be better just to land bank this. It basically pays for itself and and wait till the next boom. Nice. Well, congrats. Well, we do have a great show for you today. We are joined by Nick Bailey, who is the president and CEO of Remax, which you've probably heard of. It's one of the largest brokerages in the entire country. And we have an awesome conversation with Nick all about first his story. He's got a really cool story about how he got into real estate. But then we sort of talk about how to navigate this market and how utilizing a great agent is key to figuring out what to buy, where to buy right now. 
And he also has some great tips if you are a real estate agent. I actually, I get a lot of feedback from agents. I think a lot of real estate agents listen to this show. And if you are an agent, you're going to really like this show because Nick has some excellent advice on how to navigate these, you know, slower times and some tactics that you can use to um, boost your business even now. James, as an, as an agent yourself, been an agent for a long time. What did you take away from the conversation that you think people should listen for? It's just sticking to your basics if you're a broker or as a as a buyer, just exploring all your options and then getting focused. And, you know, whether it's a buyer getting the right financing in place that where you can get into home ownership or as a broker, narrowing that focus and getting back to old school tactics uh, that you can do business. And honestly, it's, it's a really good time to do that because... You know, we talked about how many agents quit in 2008. There's going to be space for you to grow your business right now if you want to get after it. Well said. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but then we'll be back with Nick Bailey, the president and CEO of Remax. We know you've heard it before. Cash flow is getting very hard to find. There's always long distance investing, but you may be thinking, I don't have a team, enough experience, or the market knowledge to get in. That's where you're wrong. And it's also where Rent to Retirement comes in. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest out of state with confidence. They've got single family, multifamily, new build, and syndication opportunities across multiple markets. They even have bird deals with immediate equity. Rent to Retirement helps investors learn how to build a bulletproof business plan with the best investment and tax strategies around to help you reach financial freedom through real estate. There's no excuse not to get started in real estate investing when you have the right team and systems already in place. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com. Or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. 
First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe. Smart. Secure. Nick Bailey, welcome to On The Market. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Great to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about your position at Remax and how you got into real estate? Uh, do we have time for that? I mean, it's a story. <laughs> as long as you can go. Now, I'm cur- I currently serve as the president and CEO of Remax. Um, and Remax is a worldwide real estate brand, uh, over 145,000 agents spanning 110 countries. And how I got started, it kind of all started back when I was 17 years old, I think was when, it first, when I first got the bug. And uh, I, I had an opportunity. I bought two commercial properties, retail properties, uh, when I was a junior in high school. Long story of why I did, but I ended up being a landlord and running a business out of the uh, out of the other one. And uh, then bought my first house before I went to college at eighteen. Got licensed at twenty one and been an agent broker. Uh, been on the tech side uh, with the portals with Truly and Zillow and uh, a couple other brands, and has led my path to to Remax a couple of times. Wow, that's very cool. I'm I'm amazed. I don't think I've ever heard anyone buying commercial property in high school before. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I was uh, I was a music um, guy, so I was the dorky redhead that played the saxophone. Right? We all know that guy in high school, and uh, all of a sudden, my cool factor went up because I was a landlord to the coolest pizza place in town. Oh, <laughs> and I got free pizza, so it was like instant friends. Uh, it was. Pretty- <laughs> It's very strategic, yeah, and free food. I don't know if you you would get free food, but I, I did. I, I put it in the lease. I had a certain number of pizzas each month that I could get. <laughs> that's amazing. Would you resell them? <laughs> no, see, that's a true entrepreneur right there, James. I should have profited somehow on them. James always says on the show that he'll flip anything, uh, house, commercial, but I guess pizza's also on that list now. Now pizza's it, great. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about from your seat uh, as the CEO and president of Remax. How business is going in this confusing economic and housing market that we're in? Well, first off, it's not confusing, um, and here's why: is something has happened. I've been in this business nearly three decades, and guess what's happened every single year since I have been involved in this industry? People buy and sell houses, and so real estate is timing, right? It is absolute timing, but it is not timing of the headlines or anything that people report on. When I think back of my first house, when I, when I purchased, I was 18, I was going to college. I decided that a first time home buyer, low down payment was a lot better way to go than trying to pay for on campus housing. And so my rate was six and a half percent. I didn't know if that was a great rate. Was it high? Was it low? Was it better than six months before? Was it going to get better? Um, I just knew that it was, did I have enough for the 3% down payment? Could I afford the monthly payment? Did I need to rent out a couple of bedrooms to help out? I did the first year. And so I think that that's kind of synonymous with how many people are in their home ownership journey is it's more about life events. That's the timing. When is it right for you? And I look at people that are comparing and saying, rates are so much different today than two years ago. People can't buy a home. Well, there are people today that got a different job, maybe got a promotion, maybe got an inheritance. And they may be a buyer today in a higher rate environment than they were two years ago. And so the timing is really about getting married. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, divorce, divorce, having kids. Um, and so the state of the market is really about each individual's preference. That's the headline um, that makes it not confusing. Where I think some of the confusion comes in is 
when you get to the investment side, is now a good time to invest or buy or sell or flip or rent? And that's a different conversation, but the vast majority of real estate is done through home ownership of individuals. Nick, when you, uh, hey, I love your story. Uh, I had a very similar story. I bought my pe- first piece of land at 18, and then I ended up flipping the land and helped pay for college. Um, wh- so to make that decision, when you moved, you decided to buy your first property going into college. How did you come to that decision? Because that's something pretty rare. And, you know, most 18-year-old kids are going to college by beer pong and learn. And so how did you, how did you make that decision? And some of us only one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um, I don't know. I, I, had, I had gotten involved. My parents were entrepreneurs. They had businesses all while I was growing up that I was involved working in. And so I think there was an entrepreneurial spirit kind of in our family that was absolutely the driver. And when I looked at it, um, I just had in my mind that I couldn't imagine renting something and giving someone else my hard-earned money um, because I was different in high school, too. I mean, I was running my own business in high school and um, doing a lot of different things and and trying to be a grown-up way too fast. I'm a 10-year-old kid now, and I was probably a 50-year-old man then. And so... um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just thought it was, I thought it was just better. And it, it turned out it was for me. It was an investment that owning my first home, having two commercial properties, my first home. And then when I got my real estate license, they said, hey, you'll never amass any kind of wealth by just earning commissions, but purchase a piece of property for every year that you're licensed. And so by the end of my first five years, I had um, five properties and three homes. And that helped lay the foundation um, for, for today. And so I, I do believe heavily in real estate, obviously it's just in, in my blood and, and bones. So given what's going on right now in your story, and, and I, I agree with you that people, the majority of people who buy homes, it's, you know, I think it's about 80% are homeowners. So that's, the, you know, not investors, people who are buying based on life conditions, as you said, are you noticing though, that you're sort of having to educate buyers a little bit differently or have attitudes changed among buyers or is it still the same? Well, I I think it's constantly moving. Uh, It's constantly a moving conversation. It depends where each buyer is in their journey. Okay. So something you mentioned the word, what's confusing right now, Um, inventory levels are um, because what we've seen with the historic low rates and refinance that happened over the last couple of years, um, for example, most recently, we didn't have the move up buyer come to the spring market like we historically have. And when you look at what's driving that, 90% of homeowners that have a mortgage, first off, 34% of homeowners don't even have a mortgage, but of the remainder, 90% have a rate under 5%. And of that 90, 50% are under three and a half. And so everyone's in love with their rate right now and saying, hey, I might have a three bedroom home. Um, I'd love to have a four because we're expanding our family, but I'm good with my three right now. And so that's that's been one piece that has been a little difficult for many people is there's just not enough inventory out there to um, offer t- for the demand, especially in the first time homebuyer category. Um, it's estimated we're short about five and a half million homes across the U.S. And uh, interest rates, people haven't gotten used to them. Um, they're not, when you look over even a 10-year period of time, uh, we're still extremely competitive, if not lower on average than we have been over the last 10 years. But we have a recent hangover of these two, two and a half, three percent things um, that are just totally abnormal. 
I was telling someone just yesterday, I met with a lender and we were talking about some things and we were both born in the same year. And I said, from the time I was born, rates were not under 9% until one month after I had graduated from high school. So in the first 18 years of my life, interest rates were 9.3% or higher. And guess what happened over those two decades? People still bought and sold houses. And so right now we're rebuilding the, the refi pipeline, but I think there's something that buyers need to know. I do not believe that nine out of 10 home buyers need a 30-year fixed mortgage. I think the only reason that people do a 30-year fix is that security of nothing will change for 30 years. But the average homeowner across the U.S. only lives in their home eight years and the median is 12.3. And so there are so many more mortgage products out there except for the 30-year fixed, which favor the banks, not the home buyer that people need to be counseled very, very well from their lender about what different options look like and be okay with some level of flexibility um, as you move through your mortgage. Cost of debt makes a big difference when you're buying a property. And, and like what you just said is you got to kind of look out, not outside the box, but you, you just need to look at all options to really make a smart home buying decision. And so how do you guys educate people if you don't like, you know, yes, I agree, not everybody needs a 30-year principal and fixed. I'm actually a person that actually really feels comfortable with it just because of 2008. I'm like, I just like to lock my debt. But for like that new buyer that's trying to get into a property, rates are expensive, pricing is expensive. What kind of options do you bring to them to try to help them make that decision in what other kind of optional loan programs are you guys pitching to them right now? Well, number one, you need to have a good agent and a good lender, period. That is number one. The only thing that buyers need to know is start with a great agent, start with a great lender. Uh, because the reality is the vast majority of people only go through a real estate transaction on average two, three times in their lifetime. So this isn't something they're engaging in on a regular basis. And it's awesome to have a, a really knowledgeable, trusted advisor. So that's number one. Number two, look across all of, say, the mortgage products. Look at adjustable rate mortgages. That used to freak people out. However, adjustable rate mortgages were more than 35% of the market pre-pandemic. They went to virtually nothing because of the low rates on the 30-year fixed. And now, uh, like the 10-6 arm is blowing up uh, and people are saying, hey, we can refinance, we'll fix for 10 years. But I'll give you uh, something that's a great example. If people have heard of the all-in-one mortgage, um, that's one I was just reviewing with a lender yesterday. And it's how you can utilize the equity in your home on a daily basis with an adjustable rate interest uh, rate. Now, it freaks a lot of people out, but this is a, a, the type of mortgage that if you look at how interest is calculated on a daily basis, this is a mortgage that you actually put, say, um, your paycheck in your account every two weeks. And instead of just a cash holding account, your interest on your mortgage is calculated on a nightly, daily basis. And they go in and they sweep your account to zero every single night and apply all of the money that you have sitting, say, in a checking account to your mortgage every single night. So you have to wake up and be comfortable with the fact that your balance in your checking account is zero every single day. But if, say, you have $10,000 a month that you have running through a checking account, if your interest on your home is calculated on a daily basis, every time you throw $10,000 and reduce the principal on, on your mortgage, that's that much less interest that you're paying on a daily basis. What's interesting is this type of mortgage. And then you have a debit card that you use 
And you're basically then using some of that equity as you would say cash in a checking account. It's a very different mindset that most people wouldn't be comfortable with. But when you see that you can take an average 30 year mortgage and shave off nine years just by sweeping your checking account on a nightly basis, it totally is a game changer on your ability to cash flow your property. And what's cool, it works like a HELOC. So if you wanted to 10 years in, decide to remodel, go purchase a, um, a rental property, your equity is locked at the value at the time that you close the loan and you have full access to your equity anytime you want without an application to a bank. So it's just an example of that's something that people aren't talking about, but it's a mortgage product, especially for people that want to use their equity, play with their equity, pay their property down in a lot less time with a lot less interest. Those type of products people need to learn and understand. They sound complex. Trust me, the first time I saw it, I went, whoa, people are never going to wake up every day to their checking account being at zero um, because it's a security blanket. But once you start understanding what's behind it, it can be an amazing way uh, to drive or help the affordability and the rate questions. Yeah, it, that, that is kind of mind boggling. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. I'm curious. So the rates are the same, I assume. Um, you're just paying down the interest faster. Are there any risks you see in that kind of product? Well, I, I don't think it's as high risk as it sounds, but here's where the risk does come in. It is fully adjustable. So the rate is changing basically on a daily basis. Uh, and so you have to be comfortable with the fact that your rate may be five and a half percent today, five and three quarters tomorrow, and it's calculated on a daily basis. But when you average it out over a period of time, um, it generally comes out to be lower. So there is some risk, but there is a floor and a ceiling. So you can look at your worst case and your best case scenario. And that's where I think you should create your comfort level. Where there's risk is the same with this product with any other homeowner using their equity. If you use your home as an ATM machine instead of an investment and using your equity wisely, then you can get into trouble. One question I have on that, because I remember, is there any kind of guidelines or is there any kind of stipulations written in it alone that the lender can not advance the balance paid out? You know, like in 2008, I remember when they changed HELOCs, it was like the banking market locked up. You had like a $250,000 HELOC. And if it wasn't used, all of a sudden you get a letter and it's like, now your HELOC is, you can pull up to 25 grand out and they would adjust the balance. If you're paying down the balance, can they change that to based on like loan to value saying, Hey, we're not going to advance you any more money. Is there any risk in the product with that? Well, when we talk about the all in one product as one example, uh, depending on the price point, anything under around 3 million is about an, uh, 80, 20, uh, loan to value that you're guaranteed at the time of closing, uh, that they will guarantee it moving forward. Okay. Now, when it comes to other HELOC products, read the fine print, understand what you're dealing with. And if they have the ability to change the terms, um, that just needs to be something that you understand. So it's not an, the point is, I love what we're bringing up, which is several examples of the fact that not all mortgage products with every bank or lender are the same. And so having a good agent and a good um, lender helps you go through and say, what is a good option that you're comfortable with versus I can only do a 30 year fix so I can either afford a house or not. And that's where I don't want buyers to get stuck in that time, in that mindset, because there are more options available to help people um, get into the home that they're looking for, whether they're first time or move up um, other than a 30 year fixed. Nick, I want to get back to something you said earlier that you believe 
that most people just buy based on life circumstance timing. But for investors, you seem to be not sure if it's a good time to buy. Can you elaborate on that? Well, let's give you an example. So we had like the iBuyer craze a couple of years ago, which iBuyer was a fancy word for cash buyer. We always have cash buyers in the market. And what a lot of them were, were fix and flip buyers. And so you have to have a couple of things on your side. Acquisition costs have to be in line, your hold time, your flip costs, and then days on market and your uh, appreciation. You've got to have, whether you flip one house or you flip a thousand, you got to have all of those variables on your side to make it profitable and get the margin for the fix and flip business. What ends up when you see some of these institutional investors, like we see right now, a lot of them went, uh-oh, we can't fix and flip because we don't have this, this huge appreciation on our side. So then what we do is we purchase to rent. And with some of the institutional um, buyers that have access to capital, then they can cash flow it based on the rental needs versus just a short-term fix and flip. And so it's interesting to watch the profile of investors when the market moves um, pretty significantly or rates change significantly uh, because you see the behavior flip pretty quickly as well. And we saw that start about a year ago that the fix and flips started to go into the purchase to rents. So it just depends on the timing. And then what we're going to see is a number of these investors that have purchased and are holding for rental um, in 24, 36 months. Uh, and you get a lot more price acceleration in certain markets again. You'll see some of those renters then want to cash out. If they're looking for a five-year or less type of investment, uh, they're going to wait for that right time to start to see that appreciation. You'll start to see that inventory hit the market. So with with the kind of with the, the pivot, because you know the market changes every 12, 24 months, or every year is different, right? And as a broker, you know, we're, we're a broker team that specializes in working with investors up in the Pacific Northwest. And so Remax is a really cool platform because it, it keeps costs minimal for brokers. They have really good training. And, and the Remax brokers I've met over my career, they've always had these kind of niche specialty businesses. What are you doing with your, as a company, how are you guys kind of educating your brokers on how to kind of building out their business when you're seeing those pivots going from fix and flip to, to buy and hold investors? And, you know, because sometimes the, the brokers need that little push and the little like light bulb to turn on and then they can get going back to normal business. What, what are you guys doing inside your company to kind of help get those brokers off the bench? Uh, you have a number of great things that I'm, I'm literally, you know, smiling ear to ear. Great question. <laughs> Great question, James. Best of the day. A couple of things. One, for a producing real estate agent that is full-time in the business, we're one of the least expensive options to be affiliated with, with the most value. If you are someone that doesn't sell a lot of real estate and hangs your license, we can be one of the most expensive to be affiliated with. And so our, our model is really designed around uh, production. And so let me do my little brag for 10 seconds. Uh, the average REMAX agent has double the years of experience, 15 years of experience right now. The average in the industry is seven. Uh, average REMAX agent outproduces the next closest large competitor two to one, selling twice as many properties as the next closest competitor. And so when you ask the question about what are we doing to keep people engaged or excited, one of the things that we talk about a lot is adaptability. And if you've been in this business for 15 years, you've seen market cycles. We're celebrating our 50th anniversary as a brand this year. And so we've seen market cycles, we've seen changes, and it's about us adapting very quickly when those agents that maybe don't have as much experience and haven't adapted to changes in a market um, kind of freeze. And let me give you a, a great example. 
I was talking with, um, I was talking to someone just this weekend and they have a son that got licensed in real estate just 12 months ago and said he did okay his first six months, but now he's back to bartending um, because the market's gotten tough. And I said, interesting. Um, what made the first six months easier than the second? And he said, oh, the market. And I said, ah, good. Where was he getting his business that first six months? He said, he said it was just kind of coming from everywhere. Well, that's an example of the market was agents were order takers, that the phone was ringing and they just had to be there to answer it and drive and, and uh, write things and show things and help with just answering the demand that was coming in. That's not truly the foundation of every market. You've got to have a sphere. You've got to keep in touch with your contacts. Most top producers, the vast majority of their business comes from repeats and referrals. If you don't have or don't take time to build your database and, and uh, uh, make sure to interface with your sphere. I mean, I keep telling people, people's sphere of influence have been ignored for the last couple of years during the frenzy of the market. Your sphere is hungry for your attention as an agent. And that idea of every person that you engage with saying, hey, do you know someone interested in buying and selling real estate? And so those foundations that are absolutely key to this business in any market, they really come to light at a time like this when we're seeing a market rebalance. And this is uh, kind of the fundamentals of the business, the foundation of the business, the basics, however you want to refer to it. Uh, but that's absolutely what we talk about. And agents also that have been in the business and gone through multiple market cycles, they say, hey, I may have had a top year. My income may go down a little bit, 10 or 15%. But when you outproduce and you take it as a full-time job, you know that it, it doesn't mean the difference of you being either in the business or out of the business. I saw for the first time that NAR membership had declined for the first time, like in quite some time. And I'm always curious about whether that is producing agents, as you call them, you know, people who this is their full-time job, or is it people who, you know, jump in when it's really sort of a, a good time and it seems like money is easy to make and anyone can do it. Um, and it didn't drop by that much. It was like a, kind of just like a small percentage. But I always wonder if that's really just a reflection of people who are doing it as a side gig, just, you know, want to save money on dues and the, the quality agents wind up sticking around. So first off, let's start with the, the headline. 87% of agents that get a real estate license don't have it five years later. Whoa, really? 87% that get a license don't have it five years later. The barriers of entry to get a real estate license in this business are low, but the barriers to success are high. And it's not a get rich quick scheme. I mean, it takes a lot of hard work and people find that out. So that's number one. Uh, number two, you look at, let's rewind the clock. We had 1.5 million realtors in 2007. Through the Great Recession, we went to 983,000. We lost 34% of the membership. And in the last 10 years, we've gone and had a run up to 1.6 million members. There are people that believe we'll, we'll reduce by about 250,000 realtors across the US in the next year or two. Uh, the number I saw yesterday was year to date, it's 60,000. But it's always a delayed number because remember, people get their license and depending on your state, you're generally on a two or three year renewal cycle. And so it's a lagging number to what's actually happened. There are people that are saying, just like the gentleman I was just telling you about, that's back to bartending because he thought, you know, hey, real estate's hot and I'll get my real estate license and did okay for a few months. Well, you usually, as soon as you go back to bartending, 
he didn't turn his license back in. Um, and there, I, I'm actually, he's calling me uh, next week and I'm gonna talk to him about his, where he's at real estate and what happened and why did he get out and maybe can he get in the right culture, environment, company, education to get him to where he wants to be because he really wants to be in this business. And that's an example of he's out of the business, but according to all the numbers that you see, um, even in our numbers, he's not out of the business. Um, and so it takes some time. Are there people that retire? Um, are there people that say I've done this for 25 years and want to step aside? Sure. I believe the vast majority of the people, though, are those that have had less than five years in the business. When you're a broker and you're starting out, it it is, like you said, especially your bartender, that was like the hot spot back in 2007, too, because it's like they had their clients coming in, then they'd sell them a property. And it was like that easy lead flow. And then I remember watching that in 2008. It was like everybody was a broker and then nobody wanted to be a broker. It was kind of like, ooh, you're a broker. You, It almost gave you like a bad vibe. It was like, ooh, how's that going right now? Like, are you, are you, <laughs> is like they almost felt bad for you. They talked to you with sympathy. Um but as we've seen this market shift, you know, inventory is key to selling property, right? Finding the product or having the client, then you got to find that product, um, you know, and so it's about becoming innovative as a broker. Like, how do you create the inventory? You know, you can always create a buyer. To, there's a buyer for every market. Like you said, people are always buying and selling. And then, you know, how, have you guys explored at your brokers? Like, how do you create more inventory? Besides your standard mailers, you know, I know for us, we're, we're optimizing call rooms and different things to generate leads for our brokers to have more opportunities right now. Uh, what have you guys been like, you know, with that, that new broker who's a bartender, he wants to get back in the business. What would those steps be for him? Because it usually comes down to just grinding out and working the phones, right? And, and, and working your network. What's that step that he needs to make? Um, number one, get yourself around top producing agents. Uh, you will learn more, pick up more, even osmosis more through uh, people that are producing real estate. I think one of the biggest tragedies of real estate are the water cooler agents that stand around and say, oh, the market's tough, right? Yeah, I haven't sold anything this month. That is not the environment you wanna be around. You wanna be, mm -hmm. you, you hear the cliche, you are the product of the five people that you're closest to. And so when you get yourself in a culture of people that sell a lot of real estate, you're going to end up selling a lot of real estate. That's number one. Uh, number two is education. And, and we are big here at Remax about coaching. And we engage with a number of the major coaches, uh, the Brian Buffini, Tom Ferry, Jared James, and the like, uh, because there are so many good programs that not only teach you ways to find that inventory as one example, but really to develop the life skills of this business to make sure that you're around 5, 10, 20 years or as long as you want to be in this business, uh, you've got to have those skills. And I think when you look at, uh, if anybody knows the Savannah Bananas, have you guys ever heard of them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're awesome, right? This is the uh, baseball team in Georgia. Dave, you haven't heard of them? Is it minor league team? They're like the Harlem Globetrotters okay. of baseball, right? <laughs> like a novelty team? They're out there dancing and they're fun. But <laughs> if you've ever listened to um, the founder and the CEO of the Savannah Bananas, he's awesome. And I would encourage people to look him up. He's got a few clips that you can see him speaking. And he talks about um, clients are transactional, fans are forever. And he uses the term, the fact that the three most powerful words in creating a fan of you wouldn't believe if, or you wouldn't believe this. And it's the idea, if you go to the stadium or go to one of their games, you're going to walk away and say, you wouldn't believe 
fill in the blank. You wouldn't believe they were dancing right before they throw out a pitch. Uh, you wouldn't believe that the ump is doing. And, and so all of a sudden, I think that when you start translating that into the real estate business, it really aligns well, which is the idea of, I don't believe in real estate, we sell houses. Um, I believe houses sell themselves. We sell getting people into and out of homes, which means connecting the right parties and the right service level to make the transaction happen. And in the process, you can create raving fans. And when you do, fans are forever and you build this wonderful sphere and database that can be absolutely your engine to finding listings, getting inventory um, and keeping your business humming through all markets. And then there are, there are tactical things. I mean, hitting the phones is a great thing. Some people aren't phone people. Uh, I'll give you one example on finding inventory, whether it's your listing or not. Statistically speaking, on a street and define a street, it may be a couple, but a, a small geographic area. When one home comes on the market, statistically speaking, in the next 30 to 90 days, two to three more homes on that same street are likely to come on the market. And so uh, I see agents having success with door knocking, you know, old fashioned uh, knocking on the door and saying, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Homeowner, um, I'm Nick from Remax. By the way, just wanted to let you know the house across the street is going to have a for sale sign tomorrow. Are you curious what what uh, the price is? Because prices are have been crazy in this market. And then the idea of, uh, you know, are you considering uh, selling at any point or do you want me to keep in touch with you to let you know what that property sold for, how many showings they got? And all of a sudden you're engaging in client relations. And so that is just one tiny example of ways that coaching and education can teach you the foundations of how you can drive and find and hunt for this business when you're not just sitting back and being an order taker. My ears perked up when he said door knocking. Yeah, now you're talking James language. <laughs> Before we were uh, recording, James and I were just chatting and he was talking about how he was going door knocking. He has hundreds of employees, but he's just doing it himself still. It, it 100% works. I was working with brokers for three and a half years down here trying to get a house. And I, was, I finally just was like, I'm giving up. And I door knocked. I had a house within four days. <laughs> it, it's like banging doors. It's like when the market gets hard, going out and just taking that extra effort and building that per, like in front relationship, face-to-face -face relationship, in my opinion, and I know I'm like, I feel like I'm a dinosaur now, but banging doors works. It really does. You get to meet the people. You can shake their hand. You get to have a genuine conversation with them. And you have a reason to be there half the time. And, you know, if you have that reason to be there, it makes the conversation a lot easier to start. So I love that. Like banging doors works for all those brokers out there. Just get after it. It does. Now, what I, what I heard, though, out of this, uh, James, when you talk about this, the vast majority of agents aren't willing to bang the doors. And mm -hmm. that just it shows to me that in this in, in this industry, it's very much the sea of sameness. And what I mean by that is we all uh, send uh, just listed cards or just sold. And then the flyer here, the email marketing piece here, sea of sameness. Agents have got to look and say, how can I differentiate myself to be the expert in my farm area or my local market and make sure people know me? And when you really start focusing on that, I bet in that area that you're willing to door knock, those homeowners know you probably better than any other agent in their area because you're always present there in many different forms. Yes, a card in the mail of just listed. Yes, knocking at their door, an email campaign or a marketing campaign. But you got to be present. And speaking of this market, let me throw in one more thing on marketing. I tell agents all the time, do not get invisible right now. 
one of the number one areas that agents start reducing or right-sizing their business, cutting costs, is marketing because it's expensive. Uh, and that's where we have scale as a brand. We provide all these market, free marketing tools and uh, year-to-date 4.6 billion impressions of the brand uh, that you can't get if you don't have scale. All those things you need to be using right now um, to make sure that you're not invisible. And when I talk about this, people kind of look at me and give me a funny look. And I said, here's an example. Think back to when you got your real estate license for the first time. I did. I was 21. Guess what I spent money on immediately? Business cards, marketing. I had to tell the world I was here to help them with their real estate needs. And yet sometimes we've done this for 5, 10, 15 years and now the market change, it contracts a little bit. And what do we do? We start pulling back those marketing efforts and now we start to get invisible. And this is the market when people have more questions. It's when buyers need more help around mortgage products. It's when sellers need more help around pricing and staging. I just truly believe that a consumer in this market compared to say two years ago needs a lot more advice than they did. And that's where we have to be ever uh, present and in front and maximizing our market presence because people need and have more questions. Nick, that's a great that's a great segue to to the next question I wanted to ask you, which is from a buyer perspective, if you are wanting to enter into this situation, how do you find a good agent? And particularly for the people listening to the show who are mostly, you know, small to medium sized real estate investors who want to find someone who can help them with, you know, this this big investment they're making. Well, I think um, interviewing is important. If you rewind the clock, even 15 years ago, um, on average, the number of agents that were interviewed before selecting, being selected was one. Um, the online world has been, because even a referral would take place. You just went really? with who Susie, your aunt said to use. Yeah. Um, I think in the online world, people are looking at ratings and reviews much more than they have in the past. Yes, they're getting referrals from their friends and family. And now we're seeing on average that people are interviewing two to three agents versus going with the first one that they met. And so I, I think the ability to um, look at agents um, and if you're if you're just starting fresh and you don't have a referral, you're going to go online and you're going to start researching agents. Look at what they specialize in. Look at the area that they specialize in. If we're talking investors, there are agents that specialize in residential investments, whether it be single family or multifamily units or new construction. Um, look for those specifics. And then I always say, look at those ratings and reviews carefully um, because they tell more of the story. And we're living in a world which is crazy that people b will believe what absolute strangers say about you versus trusting what your neighbor will say about you. And, you know, it, it puts everybody on their toes. But do your research. Look for the specialties of what you're trying to look to buy and make sure to look at ratings and reviews and interview multiple people. Yeah, and I think for the consumer right now, it's really about finding that specialist that, that, that the bro you know, because brokers, a lot of brokers, especially new brokers, they get in, they try to do everything. I'm going to work with buyers, I'm going to work with sellers, I'm going to try to do this. And then they, you know, you get so stretched out, like coming back, you know, when the inventory shrinks, having that niche business really works well, right? You're, you, you're focused, you know what you're going after. And it gives you that competitive edge for people to kind of work with you. They're focused on one specific segment, right? Because they're just pounding. It's like the broker that works the one zip code. They know that zip code best. They're consistently going through 
and it gives them more inventory, right? They own that neighborhood. I believe, you know, our business is very niche too. We work with investors, we do training, we source property, we help them with, through fix and flip project and, and strategic plans. And so we're always able to create inventory based on our, our niche. Do you guys go over, like, what kind of niche training do you guys offer or talk about narrowing that focus to, so people can keep the business going? I think some of that comes with time and experience. Um, I think we could all be guilty of when you first get your license, you're chasing any avenue of the business. You'll drive, I drove 75 miles, you know, to possibly get a horrible listing. I mean, you're willing to kind of be jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, and, and yet I think when you then have the experience of figuring out what your specialty is and what you're good at, um, I look at some of our very successful teams You've got maybe the team leader, the rainmaker, and all they do is play listing agent. And then they have a number of buyer agents that are experts in working with buyers and they come together and form a team so they can service both buyers and sellers. But you're right, each individual within that team is specializing. I think that that's kind of a natural evolution of the business. The vast, major vast majority of agents you know, get into the business and say, well, I only wanna work with sellers. But as you know, I, I think it's very difficult to only come into the business brand new and work with sellers without some of that buyer experience. And so I, I just think that that's a product of the fact that um, given the fact that we just have double the amount of experience in the business, that that evolution of specialization comes to play. I mean, I'm sitting here and on my desk, let me give you a prime example. I've got Jordan Cohen's book. He's the number, been the number one Remax agent worldwide. Um, and he's in California, in the Beverly Hills area. Uh, the foreword is written by Sylvester Stallone. Uh, he's got a lot of great stories because he works with big athletes and celebrities. He specializes in listings and just takes listings and has an incredible business. And by the way, uh, The Agent's Edge, it is a great playbook um, if people are interested in in someone that's out there in the front lines selling a lot of real estate on things that they can do, uh, I would say pick that up. And by the way, just because he's with Remax, we don't make anything by me pitching his book. It just happens <laughs> to be sitting on my desk and you ask the question about specialization. But I think that is a great example of specialization that he didn't have day one, but years later in listing 10, 15, $20 million properties, he had to get good at it. Well, Nick, this has been super helpful. Before we, we let you go, is there anything else, any other advice you have for our audience? Uh, gosh, you guys have asked a lot of great questions. I think we've thrown out a, a lot of pieces that people could dive deeper into. Um, let me just say this. I think for me, I, I hope you can tell, I absolutely love this business and being in it 30 years and seeing all kinds of different markets, buyers, sellers, recession. Um, rest assured that if you're in this business for the long haul, People buy and sell houses every year. That's not the question. The question is which agents are gonna be there to help those buyers and sellers and those that wanna be in this business, adapt, educate yourself, and you'll have an amazing career. Well said, all right. Well, Nick Bailey, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, thanks guys. All right, that was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed the conversation about specialization and picking a good partner at the end. I feel like the older I get, the more and more you just keep learning that like you get what you pay for and just like try to find the best person to work with. And I think that's true 
so much in real estate, especially with an agent or a lender. Yeah, no, I think, you know, it, it, he's got a really cool story. He's been through the market cycles. And, you know, it, what he talked about is that that tour business, you have to be with a broker, like being with the right brokerage, the right partner and the right focus. And it doesn't really matter what's happening with the market. If you have those three things, you can excel in any market. It's so true. I, I really think if you've ever worked with a bad agent or a bad lender, you you know the importance of of these people and having them on your team. I should mention that if you are interested in finding a great lender or a great agent, we have plenty of them that you can get matched with for free on Bigger Pockets. Just go to biggerpockets.com slash agent. For our agent finder tool, we have incredible people who really focus on working with the types of investors who usually listen to this show. Same thing with lenders. And yeah, I, I recommend still just talking to a couple of them too. I, I think that's so true that, you know, most people who I know who aren't investors who are just home buyers, they just like go with the first person that they meet. And that doesn't always work out. Think about how many agents there are out there and how many of them are probably just doing this part time and don't really have the experience necessary to really help you. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so important for people to really narrow their buy box right now, whether it's it's not just investment, like as a buyer, like what's important to you? What are you looking for? And then especially with inventory so low, if you really know what you want to buy, then you can find the broker that sells that they have a lot more. You're gonna have a lot more success getting what you're looking for by working with a niche, not your friend. It's not, you know, it's, it's, it feels good to pay your friend, but at the same time you want to get a home purchase is your biggest purchase in life. Typically you want to make sure you're getting the right one. All right. Well, James, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. And we'll see you next time for On the Market. On the Market is created by me, Dave Meyer, and Kaylin Bennett. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Joel Esparza and Onyx Media. Research by Pooja Jindal. Copywriting by Nate Weintraub. And a very special thanks to the entire Bigger Pockets team. The content on the show on the market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies. The housing market is changing, and finding your way right now can be a bit tricky. There are rate shifts, there are confusing headlines, but at the end of the day, your goal hasn't changed. You probably still want financial freedom as much as ever. Well, the good thing is that experienced investors know it's not about trying to time the market. It's about the amount of time you have in the market. And if you're ready to get into real estate investing game, you can still do that. Or you can take your game to the next level by finding an investor-friendly agent. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in just a few minutes. You head over to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter in some details about what you want, where you want to buy, and boom, you instantly get matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose.
BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.